The Youthscape Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Youthscape Podcast. We've done another one. 101. A lot of people thought we'd stop. I thought we'd stop. But we're still going. We're still we're going. Back. We're we're still back going. So welcome friends. Whatever is going on for you today, we hope you're having a nice coffee and a nice time. And Martin, you have got something in front of you that you're going to talk about. Can I start? Very glossy. Can I start with a little advert? Oh, start with an advert. We, this we is the advert. advert so, um, so you may not know that you can get this. Uh, this is one of the most high quality publications available in the youth ministry world. Do we need to name why it is? Because there's an actual person that means oh, this is so good well, high quality. So this is uh, the Youthscape Centre for Research's uh, quarterly bulletin, mm-hmm. which is called The Story. Uh, statistics, trends and research for youth work. Um, and, uh, and basically it's a, it's like an eight page booklet, um, which has late, a sort of dissemination of the latest uh, research pertaining to youth work. So we've got, uh, in this latest edition, um, we have a, a sort of a, a, a trend piece yeah. on, on the, the kind of loneliness epidemic facing young people at the moment. And then we've got some, um, uh, uh, some reflections on a new piece of research about youth ministry and uh, and then what it does uh, later on in young adult faith. Oh, like what cool. The, okay, so the is it, Are you basically uh, producing a good foundation So what makes faith sticky into adulthood? Yeah. Yeah. Then there's a little bit about uh, Scripture Union's Mission Possible survey results, um, about what makes projects thrive. There's a little bit of fun on the back page. Uh, every time, and then what's really exciting—you can hear me <laughs> rustling. Oh, this this foils me every time. Is if you it open up, me so much. if you open up the story, it opens up into a A2 poster. Yeah. Um, which you can stick on the wall of your youth office and if you have pretty one. Pretty knowledgeable, I reckon, if you stick that on your wall. And so this particular one is everything you need to know about television, and it's so it's a bunch of statistics. Um, that sort of um, takes a load of uh, survey results and research around television and then sort of puts it into a nice infographic-y poster. And every time you uh, get a copy of the story, uh, it has another one of these posters. You could paper your youth office. Uh, if you don't have a youth office, you could, I don't know, paper your car with, uh, with this. Um, or, your, or your bedroom. And I think actually stats can actually be a great way to communicate to your church leadership or the community what it is that you're doing because it, it kind of puts in a nutshell the kind of the need that you're responding to in your youth ministry. So it can be a really helpful thing for you to kind of take some stuff out of it and use to kind of reinforce why what you're doing is really significant. But I have to say this folding of it, I never get it right. Right, so it I folds. screwing it up. It folds in a clever oh, way. No, it's awful. Okay, I and the pressure's it. on now, isn't it? To see whether I can do it. Oh, you've done it, you oh, smug man. Look at, look at that. It's so smug. I am smug. Been practicing. I am smug. What I love about this as well is that, um, so Dr. Lucy Shuka, who heads up our research team, yeah. does little asterisks because she hates phrases like, everything you need to know. She's like, no, that's not statistically correct. So she puts little disclaimers. But she's really fantastic at going and finding other great research. So you'll find it's Youthscape stuff, but it's also other bits of research that other organisations are doing as well. So it's a great way to kind of condense lots of brilliant things that are coming out so it is a bit of a one-stop shop it's a really it's a really it's useful brilliant. resource because in, in you can it's the sort of thing which let's be honest you can read on the loo yeah and and as you do <laughs> yeah. you can yeah. and, you, and you just basically get little nuggets yeah, of, of, of intel so is it free it's not exactly free you uh you pay 10 pounds a year 
Oh, fine. And for £10 a year, you get it delivered to your door. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it is available online as a PDF for free. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you pay £10, you get the posters as well. You get the poster. You don't get the poster on, on the on the PDF version. So, um, so, yeah. So, make it an addition Excellent. to your youth budget. And, uh, and just £10 a year will get you the story, four issues of the story. Uh, just head to youthscape.co.uk slash research mm. and you can find out all about it. Fantastic. Now, I am perpetually hungry. I'm one of those people that could eat at any point of the day. So when anybody starts talking about food, um, he's not he's not listening to me now. He's just looking, looking at the back. I was just looking at the back. <laughs> got a little thing. There's a funny thing on the back. I know. People have to buy it. To yeah, all right. When anyone talks about food, I'm just like, oh, I can't now listen to what you're saying because I'm just like now just thinking about food. We've talked about this already in the podcast. But we interviewed some fantastic people from The Feast. Ah. And the first part of the interview, I was like, oh, I really want The Feast. Like, what well, like a chocolate feast. Like? So before we like... Like an ice cream. Do, well, no, just like food. Like an actual so feast. So before we introduce who they are and what they're about, let's just get this out of the way. Because if you're a bit like me and you hear the word The Feast and you're thinking, a banquet. Like, what would so say, Martin, what would be... Like, if somebody laid a spread, a banquet for you, what would make you go, oh, I really want to eat that? What would be your banquet? Well, I think the, 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 the truth is it, it would be all Indian. Would it? Oh, yeah. Is, are you a Absolutely. sucker for a good Indian? I just love Indian food. Oh, Pretty much anything. Bit of dal. Pretty much anything. Bit of uh, spicy paneer. But do you know what paneer. I don't do? What don't you I do? don't share. Can't oh. share food. So um, if you have like... But you're supposed to though with, with Indian takeaways. Yeah, I don't. So, um, you know, you know Michael Moyner, who we interviewed? Yes. So, so I, I had a curry with Michael Moyner, and we had this horrible moment. I just met him for the first time. Where he leant over. Where he was like, oh, well, what, what should we get? We can share. And I was like, I know you are, you know, a, an older man of great respect and experience, and I've come here to try and impress you. But the fact is, Martin right. doesn't share food. Shame the bargees. I'm not sharing. <laughs> so it was a bad start. And he'll never speak to me again. No, no, that's not true. Uh, we, we got over good it. Man. We got over it. He's but then later on, I tried to take a bit of his, and he wouldn't have it. No, good, good man. Good you can't. Him. You can't like it both ways. No. I like the feasts that are all about sharing. Oh. So I'm all into food that you rip it and you grab it and you put yeah. it on someone else's plate and you get it off their plate. I no, love that. No, no. So pulled pork, all that kind of. Ah, oh, yes. Oh my arm, oh, my saliva is running now. Just think about it. Anyway, anyway. I, I like pulled pork, just like my own portion of it. <laughs> So we interviewed Ulrika and Demiza from The Feast. I did not know what to expect. I have to admit, I hadn't done massive loads of research before I chatted them. But again, that's one of those interviews where I start asking questions and I'm like, I'm captivated, I'm hooked. And the conversation takes a really interesting turn, Martin, because it is, we, I do chat to them about what they do in their work in getting Christian and Muslim young people together to talk. And it is, it is fascinating because it really challenged me to think a bit more um, specifically about what I'm doing around this. But um, we had a great conversation about something called intersectionality and Demise does a great definition of what that means, but just really understanding the multiple ways, things affecting young people in their lives that, that might make it difficult for them to hear or to engage or feel safe in a space. So it's a really interesting, from, mm. from his perspective, working with young men, just what he's seeing and how he helps the feast not only have conversation between Christian and Muslim young people but also between atheist young people and people of faith and just how young people feel sitting in that space and how we can get them help them get over some of those barriers so this is our conversation with Ulrika and Demiza from the feast the youthscape podcast 
Well, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined not by one, by two people. So, Ulrika yes. and Dumaisia. No, Dumaisia. Dumaisia. Don't look at the spelling. We don't look at the spelling. this whole conversation about your name. Dumaisia. So, Ulrika and Dumaisia, you are very welcome today. Dumaisia, can we come on to you first? Because I did write it down and you did say to me off air. Rachel, if you can actually spell my name properly, I'll give you money. And I was like, I really want to do it. Yeah. I, I didn't get it right. So before we find out anything about you guys or where you work, what you do, tell me a bit about your name because it is so interesting. Yes, so it is a Southern African name, a South African name, Zulu name really, but you wouldn't find it in that form as it is. It's been constructed out of several words. Um, the base, like my my, um, my government name uh, is Dumisani, which means like, praise the lord wow. um, and then there's another zulu word for for thunder and lightning which is Uguduma. Oh. and then that put together with another word for the presence of the lord the three things together come and it makes That's do mighty which means it? praise the thundering presence of the lord it's that picture of moses in the mountain and that so it's yeah it's that picture rather than words but okay. you need to put it into words so yeah that's a pat a mighty name it's almost like a it is cat, yeah do you feel the need to bring the thunder do you feel like <laughs> I, I always think i see it as a prayer that yeah. my name is like a prayer like god i need your thundering presence with wow. me so. Yeah. Wow, oh yes, amen, I echo that as well, that's awesome. And Ulrika, we know each other, Yes, because you're part of the family of Youthscape, I mean, you're not employed by us, but yeah. but you work in Luton, live in Luton, and come and join us at our morning prayer times on a Monday I morning, do. which we love, can I just say? Oh, thank we you. We love it when you join us. Hello, I like coming. Oh, it's so good. So, welcome both of you, you both work for the feast, um, in Luton and in Tower Hamlet, so yeah. different places. Oh, Rika, let's start with you first. Tell us a little bit. What What is the feast? It sounds great. It sounds yummy. What is the feast? <laughs> yeah, it's not just about food. Yeah. <laughs> it is about Me. food. Me. <laughs> um, it is basically a um, platform for bringing young people from different faiths together yeah. um, to break down barriers, like have fun together, realise the other isn't so other, mm. um, to eat together absolutely every time. Mm. Um, but then essentially to... Um, teach the young people the skill of how do we have a respectful and constructive conversation with people who have a different opinion, um, a different perspective, a different faith, where we might never agree, mm. um, but how do we have those conversations well? Mm. So if a, a, a Christian young person might talk with a Muslim young person, they're never going to agree on who Jesus is. Mm. Um, but. Um, we're saying we can have a conversation about that that is constructive, that isn't about arguing who's right mm. and who's wrong, but um, that is actually a constructive platform for engaging, learning about one another, being the active bridge builder towards mm. another demographic or another community, another faith. Um, yeah, so that's what the feast is. Really. And, and this year is your 10th anniversary of the feast. Yes. And, and so you guys have not founded the feast. This, no. this has been around... <laughs> And it, that was started in Birmingham, is that right? So amazing. What, what, yeah, yeah I feel like Ulrika yeah, knows yeah, this part better than me. So in about 99, I think, yeah. there was a youth worker who went into schools under Scripture Union. Okay. Um, his name was, and um, is, still is, Andrew Smith. <laughs> and he, uh, he's now the uh, something advisor to the Bishop of Birmingham, I think. Anyway, um, advisor, that's I think. the one. Um, anyway, he was a schools worker, went into schools. Um, I guess I think there must have been predominantly Muslim boys in his kind of lunchtime mm -hmm. club you know you have kind of 
Christian unions, don't yeah. you? Um, and realising that the um, the meetings were quite unsatisfactory because you ended up coming each week with almost like the next mm-hmm. arsenal of arguments you yeah. could uh, pitch at the other to convince them that they're wrong and you are right in mm. your opinion and realising that that's really unsatisfactory. Mm. People leave grumpy, in a way a point waste of time yeah. and one day he was like okay let's turn this the other way you tell me why you love being a Muslim mm. and I will listen to you and not tell you that you're wrong yeah. and I will tell you why I am a Christian and you will listen to me and not tell me that I'm wrong and out of that realising this model of conversation is brilliant mm. and life giving and yeah. people enjoyed it and it was constructive and it was good and so out of that came more of that kind of thing and they started bringing intentionally uh Christian kids and Muslim kids together um, and, and it kind of grew from there and then the feast became its own kind of charity um, at, uh, away from Scripture Union I guess in 2009 yeah. so 10 years this year so in the meantime um, it started in Birmingham there's now work going on in Bradford in Tower Hamlets and in Luton and in Beirut in or Beirut. Lebanon like all over Lebanon which wow. is wild wow but, yeah. Switzerland so, yeah and there's a conference in America this year. So it's crazy. This little charity kind of popping up all over the place. And so you're based in Tower Hamlets. <coughs> yep. So what does what does the feast look like in Tower Hamlets? Yeah. Um, it, you know, the answer now and the answer six months ago would be different. So it's changing. I started four years ago, um, and initially, <coughs> I inherited a whole bunch of relationships. The people. It, it was a small group of Christian leaders and community workers, peace builders, really. You know, they like Tower Hamlets is a um, large proportion of um, Bengali Muslims, and just these Christians were living well with their neighbors, doing life there, and that's what made them want to bring it to Tower Hamlets. Um, and they were doing this work, but they and they raised money and they wanted to employ a youth worker, so I was the first. I was the one. Um, but I kind of inherited their relationship, so I stepped into this legacy of just their faithful living and being good disciples of Jesus, loving their neighbors. And um, so what it looked like then really was kind of chasing up those relationships and trying to make them my own. And then there was a phase where we were in schools, um, two church schools, um, which were, one of them anyway, was it's a church school, Church of England school, but 80, 90% Bengali Muslims because it reflects the community. So we went in there again, facilitating just um, dialogue. Um, and, and also we helped out the, the school chaplain with the Christian Union and yeah now this week it looks different like yeah. I was saying you know to what it did six months ago some of those school relationships have changed but it's essentially building relationships locally with people of differences the main difference one of the main differences is, is faith but actually there's lots of divisions and differences um, mm. races among mm. one of them so at the moment, the thing that keeps popping up over and over again is the racial divides, mm. um, the cultural or cultural is the wrong word. Um, the sense of being a, mi- a minority, what happens when you feel like a minority? We're just talking about this downstairs, either in reality or being perceived as being minoritized by another group and that sense of being threatened, which I, you know, I think everybody can relate to mm. and the conflicts and tensions that come out of that. Mm. So we find our ourselves talking a lot about those kind of differences 
Um, I wanted to ask you a bit about that, really, because I, I suppose on, on one level, I mean, look at this generation of young people. They're probably the least racist, most aware that difference is a positive thing. You know, they're brought up in a global environment. Actually, they look at the old generation, Brexit being a classic example, one way of reading Brexit, and see kind of a, a latent racism and a fear of the other. But actually, within youth culture, that seems to be shifting. And yet we also see, through works like your project's Feast, actually young people not quite knowing what to do with difference. How do you make that space a positive? So I'm interested that you say actually it's less about the Muslim-Christian conversation, though that is the case. It, it tends to fall along racial lines. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, not, not only racial lines, but that's one of, at, at, you know, it, it's, it's funny. I think one of, whenever we get to spend a couple of weeks with, with a group of young people and, and you know, we inevitably ask them, what, what have you gotten you know the most out of just journeying with us this happened recently in, in um over november december we had a group of 16 year 12s that we just journeyed with um exploring faith and identity and a lot of them were muslim young people who are you know quite devout and lived within their community but didn't have a problem with other communities and the thing that they said was lacking that the feast brought was a place to actually properly grapple with their own faith but the faith of another um, robustly, but also with just safety, and the, so there was there was no space to just be fully themselves, but encounter somebody mm. who was unlike them. Mm. Um, and you know, I think that applies to it can be applied to, yeah, to racial yeah. groups, or so it's just I feel like one of the biggest things we provide is an intentional space mm. to grapple with difference, where we don't shy away from the differences, we don't try um, gloss them tries. over. Yeah. Because my, my personal view, and I, and I think that's one of the things that, I'm, that attracts me about the feast, they're okay with difference. Because I think distinction is, is you know, I'm, I'm not a Muslim, I'm not a white lady, I'm not a, yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm, there's some things that make me distinct, but then there are some things that make me the same as yeah. Ulrika, the white lady sitting next to me. <laughs> um, but just being comfortable with who you are and exploring that, but also being robust and resilient enough to engage yeah. somebody who's nothing like that. Mm. And the young people over and over are saying there aren't enough there aren't enough places that create that, that space, space to specifically so do that. Whether it's on race and intersectionality, or whether it's on course, religion, or yeah. there aren't spaces. And just explain for anyone that might not know what's intersectionality, because I was going to ask you about that because I think that's key, isn't it? Yeah. Explain what that is. <laughs> You're going to get me in trouble with people ah, telling no, me that I got my definition no, wrong. It's among friends. It's, it's the layers, isn't it, of oppression? Yeah, like, I, I guess... Oh. Well, I will give it a clunky yeah, start, and then you God, can correct me. I just, so my, my understanding of it is that somebody might be um, disadvantaged or an oppressed group because of their gender, let's say. Let's say within that gender, they also have a disability, and maybe around sexuality, and maybe around ethnicity. So it isn't simply that they are a woman or female, and that's yeah. their struggle. Actually, they may be a woman of colour who are with a disability. And, and it's being aware that for people, there might be a multiple layers of... Yeah this sense of being minoritized yeah. or feeling oppressed or yeah and, and like that, you say how do you yeah, think about I, that high five <laughs> <laughs> just those intersections of, yes. of of being minoritized so for example i'm you know i'm a black man and there's a, a very large sense in this nation and in the world where 
I, I am a marginalized, I'm part of a marginalized demographic, but I'm also a man, which also means right. in power. a, a, yeah. a power holder, <laughs> yeah. you know? So actually when I'm talking with a black uh, woman, hmm. she faces being black, but she faces something that I don't. And so in, you know, so there's, there's lots for me as, as a man to learn from my, from the black women who are talking about the stuff that they feel. And it can be very easy for me as, as a privilege holder, that of being a man yeah. to, to not listen and feel like, you know, so it's about how these these different things, and by the time you're a black woman who's you know um, gay mm-hmm. in, in a predominantly, let's say, conservative African, you know, like your man, your experience is going to be so much rougher yeah. than me as just a black man yeah. who's heterosexual. So. And actually, this is a great conversation to have with young people because I think like the hashtag Me Too movement is a classic example. It was the white feminists that grabbed hold of it, but actually, it was the women of color that started it. And I think just seeing where all these things coming together. So interesting. We could talk about this for ages. Oh, we can let me pull you in at this point. Because um, in Luton, what, what is the, does the, how is the work different here? Can I just pick up on yes, something that Demise said? And yes. then I'll talk to you. Um, so I think um, anywhere where there's like a fault line, yeah. um, the feast brings, um, I suppose, the safe space to grapple with those differences. Um, Mm. all those intersectionality mm. fault lines and um, because I, I suppose what we do is a create a safe space but also we've got like clear guidelines for dialogue that we yeah. want the kids to st- or mm. learn and to stick with and you know when you look at them you think oh that's actually really obvious like you could make them up but actually I mean, they're not mm. rocket science no. but when you put them into practice in balance with one another they're actually really life-changing mm. um i like I, I'm a grown-up woman, but I found it life-changing for me, mm. um, even just to be working in this space when um, faced with somebody who is across the fault line. If that mm. makes sense, but I, I always use this example because it works. Um, talking about uh, to a friend who absolutely hundred percent believes the Earth is flat, mm. and having that conversation and using the guidelines for dialogue wow. in a way that. Um, Created a constructive conversation as opposed to yeah. what? Yes, yes. <laughs> Seriously, so and that kind of because we so quickly uh, defend our own position mm. rather than and mm. what the feast is saying is listen to the other person's position. Absolutely. And it's not about coming to a point of agreement. It's not about who is right or who is wrong. Mm. It's a safe space to grapple with the issue. Mm. Um, and I think that's the sort of unique space that the the feast is able to awesome. provide. Whether that is across face or across yeah. any other kind of fault line if amazing you like. so in Luton picking up on that question <laughs> um, again it looks different this year than it did last year um, we have done some work where we've ma- uh, matched up some kids from a local church and a local mosque and they've done some um, encounter we call them youth encounters together where we bring them together mm. um, over a fun day you know um, we went laser questing and then we went these are boys so you know we went rock climb not you know climbing wall climbing and always pizza and chicken and chips and all of that but also conversations about things like fear and things like you know what does your faith say about um, identity and so on um, and we did that quite a lot last year, marry, marrying two groups together or mm. kind of getting two groups together. So my role was very much about bringing these groups together and making the encounter happen. Mm. Um, this year, um, my work is much more around in, in a school. So we've got a kind of big project happening in a school with 
a group of year sevens um, where we're going to be journeying with them, mm. um, really working on identity and some of these layers mm. and then teaching them to how do we engage well with one another, looking at the guidelines for dialogue in more detail. What does it really mean to listen to somebody and not listen and argue back, listen, but you know, what does it mean not to judge somebody by what, what other people in their group mm. do? What does it mean to really respect their them as a person even if you don't agree with their point of view all of those kind of things and then um towards the end of the year getting them to uh take a lead and kind of being game changers in Mm. their in their school that's amazing that's amazing that's really great it's really exciting to hear the stuff that you do do you mind i'd like to ask you about the faith element that alika's talking about like what so you when you get these um young people together what do you find that they that, that is a shared experience for them? So, so we've often used the word in this conversation about safe spaces, but I wonder for young people of faith whether they feel that there are any safe spaces for young people of faith. So you create a safe space where Muslims and, and Christians together maybe find some common ground, some things that they feel they share, that people think you're weird because you're a person of faith, <laughs> you know, in respect of what that faith means. Yeah. So Miles, are there any things that you found interested you about what is the common experience for yeah what religion you know the thing i I don't know whether this is answering your question or not but the thing (laughs) go with it the thing that's been interesting tower hamlets is a very religious borough so you know if just walking again our 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 patches of tower hamlets they're very religious um often muslim but just walking down the street the market stall the you know god is just the assumed Um, so the outsider is the non-religious person actually because just the 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 marketplace is is a you know is a religious one now what people mean by God is is different so what we've found is that um, my groups in schools have had Christians and Muslims but a third group atheists and agnostics um, who've come along and that's added a fascinating layer to the conversation because they realize that their borough is religious and they're not convinced by the religion they think it's nonsense but they come because they want to be part of the conversation because faith affects them the faith of others affects them in this borough in these streets and um and also there have been some incredible mainly year seven and eights um i think of two in particular um who just the most honest like just intellectually honest atheists i've ever met because they they i don't think any adult atheists has ever said this to me they, they you know they said that they're unconvinced by any religion but they like they realize that they go a step further than just saying i don't know that there is a god they take a step and say there is no god and they recognize that as a faith position and they right. said so right. you guys are discussing faith we're here we're not yeah. believers in that sense yes. but we go but further it takes faith, it takes faith to be at my position yeah. Yeah. which says yeah. there yeah. is and like and yeah. i was like whoa you're, yeah. you know but mm. again like their presence in conversations about god and creation and marriage and ultimate reality it was it was a good challenge to the believers yeah. the muslim and christian believers who who could assume things together even though they might disagree on the details um what i found interesting was that the atheists challenged them especially things about around morality and Mm. being human to one another where they could easily say no that's ours and that's ours alone but you'd have the the atheist and people say no hang on i'm not convinced by any of your theological beliefs but i hold this dear also for different reasons so you you may not claim that as your own 
So just that sharpening and that critical thinking that was being encouraged. That's um, awesome. I mean, I, I have to say, I've not sat in a podcast and interviewed anybody where that actually real engagement with young people who are confirmed faithful agnostics or atheists yeah. is part of the conversation. And that, because I'd like to ask you, Ulrike, we um, did some research as Youthscape called No Questions Asked in Luton, sort of older young people than probably the ones that you're working with. Um, and we found that these young people are so afraid of, of offence mm. that they don't ask questions and almost um, submerge the curiosity because the, the, even acknowledging difference, mm. unless you're utterly celebrating it, is seen as a real... So, so mm. I'm intrigued to ask you, do we still need to say to young people, don't judge each other, you know, don't, or actually, are they ahead of us on that? And we need to actually help them actually name what you think. And yeah. I think that's quite interesting, actually, because I think there is a, because they grow up so, it's so normal for them to be in this multicultural thing. The, the downside of that is, I feel like I can't say anything because I will offend somebody and so I won't say anything. I think that's quite unhealthy because yeah. in a way you're not uh, you're not allowing yourself to be who you are yeah. um, and it, you're almost denying yourself the space to develop your own thoughts and your own beliefs and your own whatever, whether that is as an atheist view or, or a Muslim or Christian or whatever. Um, and, I, and again, I, I find this is what the feast does well is because we've create we create that safe parameter in which they can talk about sticky things it m many of the young people who work with us say or who work with us who join yes. us say actually as a result of being involved in the feast my own faith is stronger Excellent. because it's because it's in grappling through some of those things that we sharpen our own identity and our own perspective and our own belief and it gives you a real confidence to know we don't have to agree with somebody else we are allowed to be who we are mm -hmm. it's just how do we relate ourselves well to somebody who is of yeah. a different opinion and um, I think it's quite dangerous the kind of um, we all have to find a common denominator somewhere and it's very unsatisfactory mm -hmm. and at some point that's gonna that will crack because it's we're, we're designed as humans to be more deep than that mm -hmm. and I think the common denominator is possibly solo and yeah. um, it kind of denies your own identity but um, the ability or the to, to give young people the space where they can explore who they are and become confident in who they are and they do this iron sharpens iron doesn't it they do this in conversation where maybe they might not agree with somebody else's perspective Often, a lot of the learning happens afterwards, doesn't yeah. it? Or, you know, those conversations. Good. And that's why we say it's not about who's right or wrong in a conversation. It's about, let's just talk about this. And then, you know, some of this stuff wow. carries on after. And, and I think giving the young people the, the space to become who they are and strong in their belief and yet able to mm, engage well with somebody who's different, that is, I think, the skill that young generation coming up need in a kind of multicultural world where you know less and less there are homo homogenous communities we are living in a kind of you know um, society where there's lots of we need to know they need to have the confidence to be who they are but engage well with people who are different to them Demise, do you think then that actually the average youth worker listening to this podcast thinking about their content for the term, thinking about how they're going to help the Christian young people they work with 
growing their faith. Should they be dragging in a few atheist young people? I mean, actually, what is a challenge that you think you're learning that, that could be replicated across Christian discipleship? And I know you guys work with the feast, it's different, yeah. but what is it that you're learning that you think, actually, this, this is an easy win, this is something that we should all be doing? It's a good question. There's a, you know, like we've, I think we've alluded repeatedly to um, the thing that helps us as the feast create the safe space. It's our, our secret sauce, if, if you will, the heart of our work is, is our guidelines for dialogue, which, um, you know, you'll be able to go to our website and, 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 and download or see. But they're not rock and science, mm. rocket science. They're these 10 principles, which um, for me, the heart of them is about humanizing the other person mm. just being who fully being fully who i am but making room for the other person to to be fully who they are mm. and i think that's what creates the the safe robust space but then you know specifically addressing us as as, as christians or as christian youth workers the thing that i love about it i was we were talking downstairs i was saying i see this for me as an image of god issue mm. if i am and, and again christianity's history doesn't in certain times and places whether apartheid south africa where the dutch reformed church kind of gave the state the, the theological mm. undergirding to 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 and dehumanize others or call, you know like you can name history where christianity has been co-opted or has co-opted power to yeah. do things that you that jesus would be like what but what i like what i love and the thing that's easy is i think at, at the heart this is an image of god issue it's about if I am made in God's image and so are you, that has some robust implications. No matter how much I disagree with you, if you were made in God's image, right, then I may not reach out and throttle you, right? <laughs> then I may, like, that. there is some good, like, that, it means that image may be broken in you, just like it is in me, but that image also remains in you, just mm. like it does in me. So there's some good mm. for, for me in you. There's some good for me in the other, no matter how... I've got a good friend who, who um, he used to work for the Feast, actually. Shout out to, to Stephen. He lives in Wales now. He's one of the youth workers for the Feast in, in Birmingham when I started. Actually, we started at the same time. Big Muslim guy. Um, he's, he's, he's mixed race. Um, he converted to Islam about 20 years back. Robust, devout Muslim. You know, so we, you know, mm. if we were talking about Jesus, or when we talk about Jesus, we foundationally, fundamentally, <laughs> irrevocably yeah. disagree. And there's no, you know, but just the image of God in him mm. has made me a better disciple of Jesus. Oh, wow. And, you know, wow. and he's, he's said this too, I have, I have made him just a better human and a better Muslim. Now, you might be uncomfortable with that, mm. right? Which, okay, mm. that, that's a different conversation. But, wow. like... Do you know what I mean? Like at, 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 at its most base thing, it's if if humans are made in the God in the image of God, then there's something good for yeah. me and the other. There's something that needs to be challenged in every person, in every culture that is broken, but there's good and that good should shape me somehow. Um, and the, the image of God within me should shape the other somehow. Mm. Um, and that doesn't do away with distinction at all. It's it's this this place of intersection and mm. hybridity, but that still holds on to distinction. Mm. So Stephen remains a devout Muslim. Mm. I remain a committed follower of mm. Jesus. But he, I don't know, like it may be awkward to your listeners, but he makes me a better disciple of Jesus. Mm. My mm. conversations with him, well, I, I when I hear him talk like about that. prayer, yeah. Yeah. when I'm like, man, yeah. 
you know, if I I believe ultimate reality is this and it's yeah. Jesus and it's these ways, but the way you live, yeah. the way you raise your daughters, the yeah. way you it totally you know totally. it challenges me yeah. and I see God in that. Yeah. I, no, I don't do you know what I mean? Like don't yeah, yeah, yeah. don't mishear what I'm no, 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 saying or not saying. No, like I, I it's I've got a good friend Rahana and same when I leave being spending time with Rahana I leave feeling more robust in my spirit and full of faith in God and and sure and and I think that's a beautiful thing that we can bring to each other and I think it flies in the face of a culture that says neutrality is the only way there's harmony in society actually the vision that we have of a new creation is that actually we the, the distinction what you said is beautiful yeah. it's wonderful and I think absolutely I want to cheer you on and honour you guys because mm. you've stepped into a conversation that is murky and difficult and tricky and sticky and there will be churches and Christians that think you're doing what and you're not doing what in that And but I think there's something in that space that you're opening up which which is which is kingdom of God stuff isn't mm. it you're opening up a space for dialogue and who knows what God will do with that and actually in terms of discipleship I think it's really key for the um, young people because when you face them in front of somebody else and they have to talk about what is dear to them or what they yeah. believe in, it shapes their own discipleship yes. as well. It makes them stronger yes. in their own that faith. Courage. Awesome. So. Guys, we're going to have to stop it there. Although I can hear everyone going, no! <laughs> Get rid of the presenter and just look at the new dog. But how can people connect in with the feast and look at these kind of boundaries? You, what do you refer Guidelines to? Guidelines for dialogue. So what's the website? Tell us. Website. www.thefeast.com dot org dot uk if you just go to the feast it'll take you to something completely different yeah the feast dot org dot uk also on twitter the feast youth project yeah feast youth project and our guidelines for dialogue are on there and they're not uh what's the word copyrighted in the sense that you can take them and use them and run with them and of course, if you want to know more, just there is a contact email. You Lovely. can get in touch. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. We love you. We think you're awesome. Oh. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you. Thank you. For you. Good. Uh, just to give a little background to that, so we we recorded that here, mm. but I had a little, I had a phone call. I was called away to a pastoral yeah, emergency. I don't know where you. Were. I know I was. It was a proper pastoral emergency, and uh, and so I went downstairs and I came back up just as you were finishing, mm. and you and producer Rachel were both just sitting there, blown away by this conversation you yes. just had. Yeah, yeah. A sort of I wasn't expecting that uh, mm. thing, and uh, and and so what particularly was it that that struck you and stood out to you? Was it was it just this challenge to um, to get out of our comfort zones a little bit with young people and and think about um, how we engage them with mm. uh, people who are unlike them, or was it uh, what else was it? I I think I think partly I felt really challenged by my blind spots, and I think I've been one of those youth workers and still am sometimes that goes oh interfaith conversation or oh, you know how do you do this so it doesn't just become lowest common denominator and and and, and so that they really challenged me on that. Mm. So this is really important that in this day and age, young people are able to communicate their faith to people who are different. And But Demisa, what really struck me about him, because I've, I've known Alrika for a while, I just love her, I think she's phenomenal. But it's the first time I met Demisa, and what I loved about him was he, he he's just one of these leaders that um, is really confident in who he is and genuinely builds friendships with other leaders from a different denominations, different religions, 
Um, and does it in, in such a way that goes, actually, that Muslim brother helped me grow in my love for Jesus. Now, how often do you hear Christian mm. leaders ever mm. say that? Mm. And and I, he, so that really, it, I, that caught me off guard, actually, because I believe it. I believe that God can speak to us and strengthen us through any voices. Absolutely. But that it was such a rare thing to hear. And I loved him for that. I just, mm. I thought there was something fresh about what he was saying and what he does. He's kind of un... un hinged from quite a lot of the stuff that holds the rest of us back and I just thought he was great actually yeah brilliant. and you you manage not to to people of a certain age when they hear Ulrika just want to say Ulrika ka, ka. <laughs> and you didn't do that nor did you say do my za, 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 which probably wouldn't have been appropriate I think I got his name wrong a few times that's why it's good that I wasn't in the interview scene, yes because I would have messed it all up oh. as ever but uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Like, um, we were just talking uh, with producer Rachel, mm. who has a voice, mm. even though she won't ever allow us to hear it. Mm. Uh, and she was saying that like, often we talk about um, our interactions. Yeah. In, in youth ministry, we talk about interactions within church. Within church spaces, yes. But, um, but how, do you, you know, how do you prepare those young people yes. for the, the world outside where yes. people have lots of different views? And actually, yes. the people who in their school who ha- might have the most complimentary view to them is somebody who, who has a different faith. Yeah. But, uh, but actually is over the barrier of, is there a God? Yes. So um, maybe we, we need to talk about it a bit more on the podcast. Yeah. And, uh, and for those of us who do work, a lot of our work within the walls of church, um, are we seeing that as a space where we can say, well, invite, we're going to debate this topic, so invite your friends that hold like a completely different view to you. Mm. Get them in, let's have a big conversation. I mean, that would be, that'd be radical, that would be brilliant, that would be so interesting, wouldn't it? We're not very... Or not very kind of intentional I think around that um, mm-hmm. and, and, and I and I think it challenged me as well to think because I back in the day I used to do quite a lot of um, youth work like in the local park and in the local youth centre where there was much more of a kind of a hodgepodge of lots of ideas and I loved that I really yeah. enjoyed that and found that quite a dynamic space so that gave me a kind of a hunger for, for that again as well I want to be in spaces where young people are really vocal about what they believe and it's different but it's really fun and engaging really positive and and um, and could I, as a Christian youth leader, help you understand what you believe more? Now that's an interesting question, isn't mm. it? That's interesting for a Muslim young person to say, "I spent an hour with Rachel," and actually that really helped me understand a bit about what I. But you know, and that now that yeah, what do I yeah. do? That's a really interesting question, isn't it? Yeah, and there's like it's okay to, mm. to say there's a lot of common ground mm. between different faiths. Yeah, there is there is a and even there's a common ground between Christian faith and atheism in that um, you really care passionately about God. Mm. <laughs> it's just that when you're an atheist, you know, I would always say that with, with atheist young people. I'm like, you seem to care about this an awful lot mm. for, for an issue that essentially is non-existent mm-hmm. in your mind. You, you seem to care very passionately about the fact mm. that there isn't something, mm. which is, is a strange thing to feel very strongly Absolutely. about. And it's not, and again, I don't particularly want to introduce young people, I don't want to introduce them to a religion. I don't, no. I'm not about them sticking Christianity in a box. I want them to meet Jesus. And I yeah. think sometimes when you're in spaces where you're free from the kind of, the curriculum of the faith in a way to say actually let's just talk about Jesus what do you think about him when you read this text what do you see and I think often Muslim young people and Hindu young people particularly have a really interesting very reverential view of Jesus and they're really interested in that next leap that he's more than just a prophet so what why is that and and they're generally very interested in in why it would go to utter devotion for us that he is it for us I think that's powerful and is there a relationship between the way that Muslims tend to venerate Jesus mm. and hold him up as a uh, as as a, a kind of a great prophet and mm. a great you know they say 
Jesus, peace be upon him. Mm. They say more about Jesus than we do mm. quite often in general conversation. Um, is there a relationship between that and Jesus often appearing in dreams to, it's to, to, to Muslim phenomenal. people? Yeah, it's yeah. extraordinary, isn't it? And the other thing, we didn't talk about this particularly, but this is sort of something I think about because we're driving through North London on a Saturday morning we have a few huge schools and on a Saturday morning the traffic is just rammed outside because it's the Muslim school all the teenagers and kids are, are learning the Torah and learning sorry learning the Not Quran learning the sorry. Um, and I, that challenged me as well like oh my goodness like <laughs> Saturday morning could we get Christian kids into the church to like <laughs> learn yeah. ancient Greek yeah. so it's just really interesting kind of the challenges that come so fascinating yes. why not more for the feast right we haven't got time for shout outs no. uh, but we're going to do another podcast next week so uh, we'll see you Woo-hoo! then That's why it's good that I wasn't in the interview, Steve. Yes. Because I would have messed it all up, as ever.